welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to episode 15. Uh, Today, I'm joined by lovely guest, Natalie, all the way from the UK. Natalie is a fellow infertility warrior who endured 12 IVF cycles, numerous tests, consultations, surgeries, injections, and headache uh, before having a rainbow baby last year in 2019. Natalie is active on social media and can be reached on myivf underscore miracle. Her details would also be in the show notes. So welcome, Natalie, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, Ola. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Yay, thank you. So to start off, please tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, I am of Zimbabwean and South African heritage and live in the UK. Um, Just love to travel, love to cook. Oh, yeah, and I have a gorgeous husband. Oh, oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I can confirm that I've seen the pictures on the internet. Thank you. Um, I also run an online clean beauty business and also our journey led us to also opening and running a fertility platform, mm-hmm. which is an app that helps you oh. record your fertility journey. Yes, it's, it's still very much a work in progress, but we're almost there. Okay, looking forward to that. that sounds great. Yes, great. Wonderful. And uh, was there a particular time you knew you wanted to be a mom? I think coming from an African heritage it's instilled in you from little that, you, you know, your children are talked about before you're even a teenager, before your puberty, yeah. you're always told when your children. So it's, it's very much spoken into your life. And mm-hmm. I think getting married, I knew even before I was married that I was passionate about having children and wanted to have children as soon as possible. Right. So when it didn't happen, in, you know, immediately, mm-hmm. I was quite taken aback and it just felt like this isn't right. Why? So there were a lot of questions for me. Right. And uh, can you tell us about the first time you met with met your husband? <laughs> Our story is very much an online story. Oh, really? I high five and I slid into his DMs and said hi. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> History. <laughs> every day. Um, we were then both traveling in the U.S. at the same time, but in different states. And mm-hmm. we kind of chatted for about three weeks. And then we met up when we both got back to the U.K. And since then, we've been inseparable. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and can you tell us about your infertility journey from the beginning till now? Okay. So thinking about fertility journey, in, we got married in 2008. Okay. Um, and more or less started, but before to that, before then, we knew we wanted to get pregnant. So previously, I'd been on the pill, stopped taking the pill, and just thought, you know, it would happen. I thought mm-hmm. three months in, still nothing. But take note, um, we have a very strong Christian faith. So for us, there was prayer, there was fasting, there was seeking God's face, and we did that for, I think, about five years. So we didn't take that initial step of going to see doctors for at least right. five years because we strongly and fervently believed that it would have happened. Yeah. And I think just coming from an African background, you tend to hold back 
and you don't ask the questions immediately it's always like at god's appointed time and yeah. i think also in the church a lot of the time sometimes you're fobbed off mm-hmm. or you're made to believe that just pray and fast god will do it and that's not saying he won't do it but you're not then pursue actively pursuing your journey mm-hmm. um and so it was 2014 2015 when i mean 2013, I went for some investigations. I went to see the GP initially, and he was like, just go back and try. And I was like, no, this doesn't feel right. I remember having conversations with people at work. There were two women in particular, one who sat me down, a Kenyan lady, and she had done multiple IVF cycles. And she just said to me, Natalie, you you should start seeking medical help. And there was another lady, a British lady, and she said, you know, just go see the GP. And she said, she said to me, just really lay it on thick that he actually right. takes you seriously. Did that. And then that kind of kick-started some investigations. And after that, we, we spent numer- a lot of time, I think about a year and a half on just investigations before we finally decided, no, we're going to take charge of our journey. And we consulted a private clinic and that's when our first cycle began. We thought that we'd do one cycle. I remember going into yeah. it and be like, God is in control. I'm doing one mm-hmm. cycle and only one cycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little yeah. did I know. So the first cycle was a disaster. Um, numerous issues. Um, I, I was overstimulated. They collected the eggs too late. And then oh. just before transfer, they found out I had a massive fibroid which nobody saw beforehand. All that the was, time? Yeah. That was actually within the uterine ca- uterus cavity. So transfer was cancelled. That set us back yeah. for about six months until I finally and finally had that removed. But mm-hmm. within the, that, there was a big faith journey of just praying and fasting and just seeking God's face, really, in that time. And then I would say from that time, from 2015 all the way up until 2019, we just did back-to-back cycles. We would finish one cycle and go straight into another. And during that time, we also had seven miscarriages. So there was- Oh no, I'm so sorry. Wow. There was a lot of heartbreak. There was a lot of heartbreak. There was a lot of almost there. And I think, and the amazing thing is it always seemed to happen near Christmas time. I remember being pregnant once and going for a scan and it was the um, viability scan the init- oh. and it was supposed to be seven weeks and they saw a sack but no baby and that was heartbreaking and I remember going for another scan which was the 12-week scan and the baby had stopped growing so various things but for me the amazing testimony is Joshua was born to the date of previous miscarriages Oh, wow. In December, he's he's a December baby. So for me, it was God just restored. Such a miracle. And such a, it was just a season of restoration. But yeah. I think it was just back to back cycles. We cycled in the UK. We cycled in in Greece. We cycled in Czech Republic. Wow. So there was a lot of traveling and loads of research. A lot of research we did loads and loads of research and i think my journey changed when i started reading medical journals and medical Mm -hmm. papers instead of just um threads online and really taking charge of the journey wow yes i'm so sorry you can't you enter so much 
Yes, it was tough. It was tough, but I just glorify God through it all. Yeah. What what kept you going? Because, you know, it can seem so... I mean, yes, of course, you, you have hope and you have faith, but when there are constant disappointments, that it's faith, tough. yeah. I think your faith gets tested. You get yeah. tested as a person. And to say I had faith throughout, I would be lying. I remember our final cycle, um, the cycle that got Joshua, I remember sitting on the bed and we, it was a frozen embryo transfer and thinking, I'm not going. I just, I was tired. I was done. I wasn't doing it anymore. And my husband then went into what I call coach mode. And he was just Mm -hmm. like, you can't give up now. He's like, if you give up now, will you forgive yourself? And so that was, we had miscarried in December, 2018, February, 29, then December, 2018, I, we had had the miscarriage and I remember my husband bought me this book, Is Your Body Baby Friendly? I was so mad I could have thrown it at him. Because <sighs> I was like, how dare he? But not only did he buy that, he then bought a Moses basket and he put it in our bedroom. And I, I was so angry I could have thrown it out the window. <sighs> I was like, what is wrong with this man? Because I think part of me had just, I'd given up, not given up, but I just, I was tired. Yeah. I was so, so, so tired. And um I remember reading, I reluctantly read the book, but there were so many things in the book that resonated and made sense, whereas certain doctors just fobbed me off. And I then made, uh, I then made an appointment for consultation with a reproductive immunologist, um, Mr. Okay. Gorgi, in Harley Street. And I went along to the appointment, didn't expect much, but that really was the key for me. Wow. To understanding some of the issues we had previously. And I, I think it was just that stage of sitting back and thinking, okay, I can't give up now. I've come so far. I just, just one last push. And I remember going, doing the frozen embryo transfer and just saying, Lord, it's only you, it's in your hands. And every step of the way, so I remember getting the BFP and even that was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay. 12 week scan, I cried all the way to the scan. I didn't want to go. I just wanted no part of it. And we go to yeah. the 12 week scan and there's Joshua kicking around and <laughs> just having a jolly time. And I was like, okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. Thank God. Okay. And you, you're so strong. Then other words, yeah. And that must have cost so much doing cycles in the UK because I know the UK is so expensive especially when you have to go privately and then traveling overseas as well wow I think yeah it is very expensive but for me one of the reasons for also going to going overseas was the level of expertise the UK is great but I found a lot of it was it's if you don't fit inside the box of standard fertility treatment they're not willing to tweak or see what works best for you Okay. So that was challenging. And I think for me, it was finding a clinic that would work with what was my protocol, because I would say nobody knows your body better than you. You know how you're responding to the drugs. You know how you're feeling. You know, I remember sitting once and thinking, "Mm, I think before egg collection, I think I've ovulated. I think the eggs have matured. I remember thinking that and going into egg collection that um, two days later, and she's like, no eggs, zero. 
that was devastating after putting everything into it and having not a single egg. And this is after going for the scans and having more than 14 follicles and them being all ripe and everything. IVF is so much, right? Like you just, everything has to do with timing, the right timing and people just don't realize how much yeah. goes into it. There's so much, as you know, so, so, so much. And I think okay, yeah. planning, planning is key because I got to a stage of where I actually have journals. So I have journals of cycles of previous cycles, okay. like down to what I ate to how I felt. And I think this is, was the birthing of the app because I, I have it all written in journals and oh, my husband, my analytical, who's a finance, mm. it, that's how oh, he's okay. <laughs> yeah. spreadsheets upon spreadsheets. And we had this master document, which we would take to consultations and they'd say, oh, we suggest you do this. And we're like, no, we did this. And this was the outcome. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> you weren't ready. You were. <laughs> because when you're paying that much, you've got yeah. to own that time. Because it got to the point where I was like, okay, if I'm going to pay 400 pounds for this consultation, it's got to be worth it. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So you became an advocate for yourself even way beyond what's required. I think that's the, that's key. And I think that's what helped me keep going. I think we, it got to a point of where, yes, there's the emotion. It's very raw. And I think I have this thing where I say, roll the dice again. It's okay. That didn't work, but you know what? We've got to do it again. It was almost like a project. So we yeah. almost project managed our treatment. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. And the doctor you saw on Harley street, was that for a recurrent loss then? The doctor? Yes. The, okay. Yes, um, because our issues were reproductive immunology. We had, right. that was what was happening because of the recurrent loss. And there were certain things that as a woman of color, it's not, they, it's not the same treatment as yeah. to a, like a Caucasian woman. So exactly. my biggest issue was the absorption of, one of my biggest issues was absorption of progesterone. So uh, they were giving me a bog standard progesterone and my body just was not absorbing it. So when I saw the reproductive immunologist, he was like, it's not enough. And I was just thought, nah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Then we did the blood tests and the amount of progesterone was almost like I was taking nothing at all. So I had oh, to no. take three times the dose. Wow. If, yeah. So yeah. It's a little tweak yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing. God, you went there. And, and okay. you know, and it, it seemed like just what was needed at the right time and everything else just fit in. Yes, and I think it was things like he suggested a laparoscopy and I was like, I had a laparoscopy in 2013 and he was like, let's do it again. And I remember taking charge because I could have waited to do it on the NHS, but I was yeah. like, no, I need to take charge. We went private, we used private healthcare to do that. So it meant that I could get scheduled seven days after the consultation. Oh, nice. And it was through that um, investigated laparoscopy that they actually found that there were some other issues as well that needed addressing. There were multiple adhesions, which there was no way of telling that from a scan. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Thank God. You're such a okay. testimony. It's just amazing. I, I you know, Thank you. yeah. Um, I know you've mentioned your faith 
you know, helped you and, and believe in throughout the whole journey. But did you also have other means of support? Wow. Yes, we, we do have a very good, we have a close family network. Like I have five sisters. Okay, sister very nice. <laughs> also different degrees. Um, and we, our moms have been amazing. You know, our moms have been there when the treatment didn't work. They've been mm -hmm. there when we, initially we would share, we were going for treatment and then we stopped sharing because there's yeah. the expectation and then there's the disappointment. But I remember once after uh, going through a 12 week scan and finding no heartbeat, my mom didn't know I was pregnant and calling from the hospital and just saying, mom, come, come now. And her just turning up, throwing down yeah. everything, turning up and just being there. So that was great. I also have an amazing network of friends is about this through oh. the journey i lost some friends but then i kind of thought were they really friends exactly and they were the ones who were there always just trying to understand what what was going on they asked the hard questions they asked questions sometimes i felt uncomfortable with but eventually i understood they were coming from a place of love but then there was also turning to the forums online that we the fertility show um, oh, yeah. Instagram was amazing. I've made some really good friends on Instagram who I've met in real life as well. Oh, wow. and, nice. <laughs> let's call them friends now. Yeah. It helped with the highs and the lows of just being able to post on Instagram when I was completely devastated and knowing they knew exactly how I felt. Yeah. That really brought comfort to me. Wow, that's wonderful. And is that why was that were you seeking for support is that why you set up the instagram account initially or yes i think i in the initial time i remember initially setting up the instagram account for just wanting to understand the journey more uh -huh. i think when i first set up the account we had done i think probably three cycles and i just thought i need to know more yeah. and i remember um starting to follow certain um certain accounts and then I thought okay I started then to document our account our journey as well just so that I could trace when I realized we're going beyond two or three cycles I thought I need to be able to go back and track this yeah. is before the spreadsheet was born or anything yeah. <laughs> yeah. and for tracking and also just to to learn from others because I've learned so much from the Instagram community yes it's a wonderful community it's and I just it was lovely. I mean, of course, I met you by finding your story and reading it. I just found it really amazing that, you know, being black and, you know, it doesn't even matter if you're black and African, but black and African gives it a little bit more push. The fact that people don't, <laughs> you know, you don't talk about this, you know, and then even if you're going to talk about it, you don't put your face out there, but, you know, you just put it all out like this, this is it. Like this is the reality and you shared so much and I thought that was pretty amazing. What made you do that? Like, I mean, you know what it's like. And... I think for us, for me, I had to own my journey. Yeah. And, you know, I couldn't sugarcoat it. I, you know, yes, I don't put everything on there, but course, it was, yeah. it's my journey. It's my journey to tell. And for me, it was, it was a way of also finding comfort and solace. But it was just like, this is me, warts and all, take it or leave it. <laughs> and also to encourage other women, you know, black African women, women of color, because I find we're not open enough. We no. don't talk enough. We don't share enough. No. And it's tough. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. 
you know, because women within my circle, since our journey, I've actually found out that people have started to approach me to say, guess what? They're struggling. They've had, there's one friend who's had more than 10 miscarriages and we had no no idea, you know? And I think also within the African community, it's seen as, oh, if you're getting pregnant, it's not infertility. Even if there's yeah, you start and hearing like, that at least you can get pregnant. Yeah. Yes. And 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 this that infertility is not a dirty word. It's you know, yeah. it's we can talk about it. We can support each other and we can just prop each other up through the journey. Yeah. And I think just also acknowledging the fact that just because you say you have infertility does not mean you don't think you can overcome it. Because I find that many times people are like, oh, don't say that word, don't claim that. I'm like, well. It's not like I'm claiming it, you know, it is the the definition itself is what it is, right? Now you can still go on and get the children that you want and move beyond it, but it's, it's a reality, but you know. And I think this is, for me, it also, it also changed my faith because I was in that, oh, I can't say it um, because I'm naming and I'm claiming and I'm- Exactly, yeah. I name my children and by faith and mm-hmm. I fasted and I prayed. And I think it was, um, I was pregnant with Joshua. I was about seven months pregnant and I was talking to one of my sisters. And then I realized that, yes, all the prayers and the fasting and everything was leading to this moment. Yeah, It was leading to the treatment. It was leading to everything. And there's nothing wrong with doing both. And I remember exactly. attending the mother's summit Um and it was during that summit that um, the pastor said that it's okay to do fertility treatment. Ah, oh, hallelujah. I love that when the pastor said that. <laughs> you know, and I was like, yes, it is. Exactly. And she's like, whatever method you need to become a mother, pursue it. Yeah. Whether it's fertility treatment, whether it is adoption, pursue it. Wonderful. And I think sometimes within our communities, we don't, we don't, allow that platform to say that it's okay yes so these things happen exactly and it's fine and we need to say that more because people just think no 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 you shouldn't say that and i think more churches and religious like religious places other whatever religion people are people just need to show more support and understand that it's a reality and people shouldn't be made to feel because i know some people that they would not even go check the fertility clinic and, yeah. and they're and they're, and they're yeah they were, yeah exactly right for the first five years and you think that was me i was like no that's not my portion that's not what god has promised me yeah. and i was adamant that this i was only doing it one way yeah. and i think i had to change my mindset and change my prayer life as well it didn't mean that i wasn't naming it and claiming it and i think I remember a moment where it dropped and i remember sitting with the fertility doctor and i was like but why hasn't it worked and he said, I can only do so much. And wow. then I had to remember that, yes, they can put the egg and the sperm together. They can put the embryo back, but it's only God who puts the thigh bone to the hip bone. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And that's so and true. I yeah. realized that, yes, they are assisting, but they're not God. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. And would you say infertility has changed you as a person? Because, 100%. you know, <laughs> has it been a has it changed you for the better or what do you think you've taken out of it? For the better. I think it's after doing so many cycles, yeah. I am 
tenacious. I am resilient. <laughs> yes, you and are. And I learn to be agile. My husband has a saying where he says, don't dwell. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that might sound really cold, but if you're dwelling, you can't make decisions. If you're dwelling, you can't move forward. And I thought, okay, I remember a cycle would fail and immediately he'd start planning the next cycle. Oh my. And Which is like, amazing, oh, right? But, <laughs> but sometimes you're probably like, uh, no, not now. Like, <laughs> like no. No, you, like, you know, and it was tough, but he, it just taught me not to, not to dwell on the moment, but to be agile and keep moving forward. And I think if I take that principle and apply it to any area of my life, you know, nothing is impossible. True. And I know people say, of course, it must be very hard, especially having disappointments and losses what kept you going like how how was it with joshua you know because your mind can play tricks on you how is it on a daily basis you know counting down till you know all i didn't believe i was having a baby until he arrived (laughs) (laughs) crazy i know it sounds crazy because i think another thing i want to say is People in the who are waiting, you think the journey is over when you get the BFP or the journey is over when the baby arrives. It's a constant, yeah. you know, the journey is not over. And I remember going to every scan, almost expecting bad news because that was a defense mechanism because yeah. that's what I was accustomed to. And I remember when I going into a, a, one of the doctor's surgeries in Harley Street and um, on the wall was a scripture from, I think it's Philippians 4, and it says, whatever is good, whatever is kind, whatever is noble, focus on that. Wow. And I had to, so that was like my shield. Every time the bad thoughts ha- happened, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, is this noble? Is it true? Is it good? So I had to keep going back to that. I had to keep, and that was my, that's what kept me focused. But then I would say, even when he, I remember getting ready to go to the hospital and thinking, okay, this is it, he's coming. But still thinking, okay, are we going to come home with the baby? Which sounds crazy. Uh, yeah. But it's true. And even the first week, I kept thinking, is he staying? Which is sad, but, and I think, I remember my sisters just praying me through. I remember one of my younger sisters, especially, she would just call and pray and you, cause there's all this euphoria afterwards, but Mm -hmm. because of that, doing so many cycles, you stuck also in PTSD. And I think it's also important to acknowledge that, work through it and pray through it. Yeah. That's very good that you also mentioned that PTSD. I think it's, like you said, there's more awareness about it and the fact that it can happen. And it doesn't mean you're not grateful for the child, but it's just after so much um, that you've gone through in the journey, it can happen. Yes. And I remember one of my cousins called me and she prayed for me and she said, may your mother would be joyful. And I think that was a, a, a major key for me because I thought, mm-hmm. yes, I'm doing this, but it needs to be joyful. Yeah. And taking joy in the little moments of, whereas before, 
the journey, you, you thought every moment will be celebrated. But sometimes when you've gone through so much, you almost want to, everything to be perfect and realizing it's exactly, not perfect. Yeah. It's okay. And that's fine. Yeah. Wonderful. And how this, the whole journey, I mean, of course, I know you said that your husband was very like, you know, constantly uh, encouraging and pushing you to move on to the next. And of course, even buying the Moses basket and the book, um, is, your baby, is your buddy baby friendly? Funny enough, I saw that book last night on the internet. I thought, oh, what kind of book is this? But, <laughs> Amazing. but, but I probably go back and check it now because I thought, okay, that's a weird title. <laughs> You know, but did it did the whole journey? How did it impact your relationship? I would say it's brought a depth to it. Yes, it's wow. brought us closer, but it's mm -hmm. brought a depth. And so, people, a lot of people say that it makes them closer. But I think it's brought a depth also because he, a lot of the time, the men on the journey are taking care of the women. So he was my yeah. nurse, he was my comforter, <laughs> he was everything. But then sometimes you also have to stop in the journey and think, how is he? Is he exactly. okay? Yeah. You know, I, I had to then also sometimes stop and just check, are you all right? Because he was so used to being the coach. Sometimes I had to take a step back and just coach him and also give him the opportunity to go watch a football match or mm -hmm. to take a game off from fertility as well, infertility. True. Yeah. And knowing all what you know now, after going through all of this, what is the one piece of advice you'll give your younger self? I'd say dream big. Dream mm -hmm. big, keep pushing, and don't give up. Wonderful. And any book, well, you might have already answered that, but any book you'd advise anyone going through infertility to read? I would say initially it starts with an egg because I remember going oh, to yeah. my, when I went to my first um, IVF cycle, I had no clue. I yeah. had no clue about anything. And I think for the doctors or for the clinics, they don't do much education. So you no. don't understand. Mm anything they, they kind of talk you through the process but you don't understand about egg quality you don't understand about sperm quality you don't understand all of that and yeah. i actually got a lot of great advice from my acupuncturist oh, and okay. he's like would you would you just take seed and throw it in the ground or would you fertilize the ground wow and you know even like acupuncture for example that for me from a faith perspective at first i was like i'm not doing that that's not for me it's exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Until I found the right person and understanding that it was purely medical because in my mind it was gonna be chanting and all that. <laughs> exactly. And it was none of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny the things we think, right? Because you've just been told, oh no, that's not good. And you're just like, ah, uh, now I'm gonna stay away. No, we don't do that. I know, right? Without even trying it. <laughs> Because now all my family know my acupuncturist by name. Wow. They're like, oh, you so? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So I'd say, going back to your question, mm -hmm. I would say it starts with an egg because it just helps you understand. When I read that, I fully understood then, oh, I have a part to play in this as well. And I yeah. think when you're paying such large sums of money, you think they'll take care of everything. I but know. they don't. The and they should be taking care of everything, right? <laughs> they but, should. Yeah. They should. And I would say 
for me, especially if you've tra- tried multiple times and it's not working, is your body baby friendly? It's for me, it was a, it was such an important book because I read it and for once I felt somebody understood what my body was doing. Right. Because you know when you go for the WTF meeting and you're yeah. there for thirty minutes and you're like, what should we do differently? And they're like, oh, let's just do the same again. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, seriously? No, no. You know, I finally felt that, and it's through that book that I then found the reproductive immunologist in Harley Ah. Street, because he's mentioned in that book. And I thought, okay, let me make an appointment. Yes, I could spend 250 pounds on a consultation. It could mean nothing, or it could be the master key. Exactly. Well, that's amazing. I'm going to check check out that book. Like I said, I saw it and I just thought, okay. You're trying to be funny. (laughs) Yeah. Wonderful. And um, if you had one quote or word of affirmation that kept you going as well during the journey. Okay. So one quote, I'm a word of many words. (laughs) (laughs) But I would say something I would often say to myself is that God is in control. He knows the end from the beginning. That would be my quote, my one quote to, that kept me going throughout. Wonderful. And as a wrap up, Natalie, one, any words of encouragement or hope for any other person or couple living um, with infertility? Okay, I would say lean into each other, you know, really be kind and supportive of each other and, you know, just hold on in faith. I would also say take ownership of your journey just because you're paying money and think that the doctors are doing everything. No, do your research, aggressively pursue your journey, understand what are the underlying issues, take ownership. And I would say be equipped for every, for every visit don't yeah. take it for granted that the doctors know everything they know a lot but they don't know you and they don't know your journey well said that's perfect thank you so much natalie for coming on the show You're today welcome. for encouraging us all for encouraging me for for letting us know it's possible and the power of faith and holding on and trying once again every time that you thank you so much thank thanks for you. having me it's been awesome yes and so your strength and testimony has been really inspiring i'm sure that your story will inspire a whole lot of people and we're so thankful for baby joshua who is so handsome <laughs> <laughs> thank you and of course like i said earlier for anyone listening if you do want to connect with natalie she's on instagram very active at my ivf underscore miracle and as she said We're looking forward to an app that's going to help us all out from her, you know, so much research that she did and, you know, help us all out during this whole journey. So thank you so much, Natalie. It's been a pleasure having you on here. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, 
please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.